0: Hello and welcome to Emerge Evolve Lead, a podcast for people in recovery from addiction who want to be better leaders. I got clean and sober when I was 24 and then I started my corporate career. After several decades, I left that job and created Emerge Leadership Academy where I train leaders and coach people in recovery who are ready to step up in their career. My name is Maureen Rosgem and I'll be your host. My guest today, Robin Clare, was a colleague of mine over 20 years ago when we worked in a corporate education department in Hartford. We've remained friends these many years, and now Robin is an intuitive coach, writer, as the author of five books, and is in touch daily with her divine guidance. I have so much respect for her consistent work on her recovery from an eating disorder because she works a spiritual program of her own design. Hi, Robin. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you on. How are you doing? Great, Maureen. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm so glad to have you here. I know you have a lot to share with our listeners today. But first, so would you tell them a little bit about yourself? I know you don't have a sobriety date, Per se, but you are in recovery from some other things. So, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your hobbies, and what you do for a living.
1: Sure, I can do that. So, I am in recovery from a forty-year uh, struggle with obsessive-compulsive food disorder and bulimia, and I think it really boils down to the same the same problem for all for all addicts, and that is that we're addicted to suffering. And then we choose um, an addictive behavior to help us to feel better about our suffering. And so for me, my journey began when I was seven years old, my mom put me on my first diet and then, and then it was just a matter of looking at myself and having a poor self body image and and just always being on a diet. And then it was just so obsessively driven. You know, it would depend on if I ate good, if I ate something good for breakfast, if I ate something bad for breakfast, then the whole day would be ruined and then it would just spiral. Yes, so um, so uh, when I came out of corporate America, I came out to uh, become a spiritual promoter for the community in, in the greater Hartford, Connecticut. And then over the years, my guidance said to me, what about you? And so I decided to look at whether I could be a teacher or a writer and, I, and a retreat leader. And I just did all of those. And, um, and so I became an author and I've, I've written four books. Wow. We're gonna be working on my fifth, but I also am a recovery coach professional. I decided to, once I came into recovery, I decided to see what the professional world of recovery was all about. And I have my recovery coach professional designation through CCAR, the Connecticut Community of Addiction and Recovery. And then I decided to combine them. And so now I work with folks who are in recovery and have an amazing story And an amazing story of healing and that who want to share this story with the world. And I am their recovery coach. Now, it's really twofold. The first part I say, my my motto for this is when you write your recovery story, you heal yourself. And when you share your recovery story, you heal others. And so I'm, I'm also open to just starting out with people. It's actually my preference to start out with them to just write their recovery story without even thinking about filtering it because maybe they shouldn't say that about their mom or maybe their or you know maybe their partner wouldn't like it. I just tell them write it, get it mm-hmm. out of you, excavate it <laughs> from inside <laughs> of you, put it down on paper. And then if you just say, wow, this could really be a book. And then we'll like, okay, well let's look, let's look at it again. And then let's write it from the place of how you would write a book, but also let's look at your story and see if it needs to be cleaned up at any level, if you want to. Some people don't want to. It's like, hey, this is the role their parents played in their life,
0: and they're going to talk about it. Tell yeah. it like it is. That's Tell a that's like a. that's it kind of a, almost a personality preference. Some people, it's very private. Others are like, nope, I'm happy to share this with anybody who will listen. Yes. Yes. And so that's what happens
1: with my writing clients. And so I'm so excited about that um, to be able to help them. I, in fact, Maureen, I feel so honored and blessed in their, when I'm in their story that they, that they've uh, allowed me to have this place of, of reading it and being being in it with them. It's, 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 I don't know the, I don't even know how to describe how I feel when I'm reading it, but I'm so, I feel so blessed.
0: I agree. I know that feeling. I I totally agree. It's like um, listening to a fifth step or um, sometimes really just being a witness. You feel blessed, like that you're playing a role to be an angel for another person. That's kind yeah. of a little bit how it feels like. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's, um let's jump back. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I also know that, you know, you're, you're married. Yeah. And You have two children that are grown and doing very well out in the world. Um, So go back a little bit then and tell us about what you started to in the beginning. What is your story? Like you, you struggled for 40 years with bulimia. Like that doesn't Almost seem possible. I've known you for many, many years, and I would have never known that about you in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you've known me for thirty of those forty years, probably. Yeah, <laughs> Maureen and I, Maureen and I worked in corporate together, and uh, back in the day. Yeah, and yeah, it just wasn't back in the day. It was just, it was just a daily, a daily um, uh, in 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 my therapy sessions, was I'm really big on therapy. I've been in therapy for years and years, and I think it's so helpful to people to understand their trauma patterns. Right. I, I do believe that that's the only way that we can heal addiction. I mean, it, the only way that we can truly stay in long-term recovery is to understand our traumas and and uh, and and heal them by understanding them and allowing them to be integrated into who we are, and not not running the show, but be. We can get into that later. But your
0: question was, how did how did it become like a day to day? Well, tell us in like five minutes or less, what is your story? How did you get into recovery? And, you know, what 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 got you there? What how did you figure out what that transformation needed to be? And I know a lot of it has to do with your direct connection to your spiritual guidance system. Yes, so it, uh, I, I would love for you to share that.
1: Okay, great. So as I said, I have been in therapy for quite a while. And I learned that part of my uh, bulimia came from a pat, my most recent past life in, in, uh, in the Holocaust, uh, when I would be in the barracks with my two little kids, and I would get whatever gruel they would give people. And I, they would watch us eat it. And as soon as they turn their head, I would throw it up and give it to my kids. Oh, my. And it's like a bird, right? Feeding her babies. And so that I took that energy from that past life into this lifetime to be healed. And then the other is that um, I received a message from one of my friends that's a medium that said that if I do not Uh, bury my bulimia. My family will bury me. And of course I needed to have one more crazy binging session, um, you know, before I stopped and, and then I did that and I, um, At the end of that binging session, I was bleeding from my nose and I had pain and all of my organs and my head was throbbing. And I felt like my spiritual guidance was actually showing me what was going on inside of my body from the 40 years. And I knew at that moment that I had hit rock bottom, like Mm -hmm. there was no way that I would ever do that again, Um, because I could see I had never honestly Maureen, I was so into the emotion of it that I never felt any of those pain, that pain before, even though I'm sure it was going on. But I was so busy being the victim and the victimizer of my own life Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: I just, I couldn't get out of the cycle. And it wasn't until it wasn't until it was like, okay, this is it. You're going to do this. You're going to
0: die. And I didn't want to. I have too much to live for, as you said. Yeah, that's usually when we do hit our bottom, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, I am going to die if I don't change something now. Or I am just so miserable. I can't stand it. Who I am anymore like this. And uh, boom, transformation. So how did you have that transformation? What happened? Share, Share a little about your recovery. So there, so I have two things. I, I have
1: obsessive compulsive food disorder and bulimia. That's, those are two different things. The bulimia immediately stopped right then and there. Like I just, if, if you were with me in the bathroom, you would have been like, you've got to stop now. You know? like, like anybody would have said, no, don't ever do that again. And that's what I said to myself because they sh- my, my guidance showed me everything that was happening. The obsessive compulsive food disorder took a little bit more time. Obsessive compulsive food disorder is when you say, oh, well, I had a pancake for breakfast, so that's kind of fattening, so I might as well have a cookie now. And then what am I going to have for lunch? Well, I've already had bad... Uh, breakfast. breakfast. So my, don't, why don't we get some pizza, right? And it's it's like it's like the whole day you're like, oh well, you know, it doesn't matter.
0: To. Yeah, I might as so well what, snack. Okay. So
1: what I had to do to to move through that is to actually start tracking my food. Now a lot of people say, oh, tracking your food, that's awful. But I use something called My Fitness Pal, and I love it. Um, I should be a spokesperson for them, right? <laughs> But I, I, um, I just every day, it's an app on your phone. And I, and I put my food in there and I track my macros, how many carbs, how many uh, fats, how many proteins am I eating? Did I drink my, all my water? Did I have my exercise? And I lost 25 pounds from, from starting to uh, track my food. And Ori, my husband that you also know, he lost 50 because he decided to track his food with me. So what we did is, and of course he was obsessively eating with me because that's the food that we were eating. We were going out to eat too much, right?
0: Eating. Yeah, it's a family culture
1: sometimes, right? Yeah. It was just, you you know, if there's rice on the table at the Indian meal, well, of course we have three servings of it or we finish it, right? Now we don't do that. Now we are consciously eating and that to me, this consciousness, this mindfulness is what I needed to stop obsessively eating. And one other thing happened. My body, I think also helped me along. My biggest trigger was always chocolate. And all of a sudden last year, out of the blue, I became allergic to chocolate. What? And I, and I think my body just said, well, let's help her a little bit. Like, let's make sure that if she doesn't grab that handful of Hershey kisses, she doesn't start, you know, rolling downhill. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. So so it's
0: sort of like when the desire to drink leaves you. So you had the desire to, um, uh, you know, what do you call it when you purge the desire to purge left you? Yes, and then your compulsive, um, obsessive compulsive disorder for eating was curbed by you simply looking at all, what you were putting into your body and tracking that food. And mm-hmm. then you now you gave up chocolate too, so that's well, fantastic. Yeah,
1: and and the, and the tracking of the food allows me to have um, ice cream or a cookie, right? Like I just have to know. In moderation. I mean, in moderation. Yeah. In moderation, I didn't know how to do that. If I opened a bag of cookies, you know, like a, I'm, I'm thinking what's coming to me, like, like Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies, I would eat the entire sleeve, <laughs> right? Like, I didn't know that I could have one cookie, um, and some there are some things though, Maureen, that I know not to buy, even now because I. Don't know how to control myself. So I'm like, well, just don't buy
0: those. Perfect. Yeah. Right? We do. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Cause I'm like chips. I like potato chips. And that's uh, so if I don't buy them, then they're not here for me to have to resist. Yeah. Yes.
1: And so I, I just want to be clear to the listeners I eat wonderfully. Like, I enjoy what I'm eating. I, I, If I want a cookie today, I'm going to have a cookie today. But, you know, I look at things. Like, I went to buy an iced tea the other day, and it had 56 grams of sugar.
0: Oh, my. Yeah.
1: I'm like, that's a drug.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that iced yes. tea is
1: a drug. And as someone in recovery from sugar addiction, I shouldn't have that. So I I got a water bottle instead, even though the marketing on that thing looked awfully cute, right?
0: Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're not
1: getting me sugar, you know, (laughs) because I think that we, we don't understand the, the, how much sugar triggers us. Yeah.
0: No, as a sugar addict, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed sugar addict myself. And I totally agree with you. Um, I do allow myself to have those kinds of high, love, high sugar things when I'm on vacation. And one of the things that I have always struggled with is I, the only way I, not the only way, but one of the ways, my favorite ways of rewarding myself is with like a hot fudge sundae or, you know, with food, or we're going to go out to the uh, expensive restaurant, like um, even, you know, like hibachi grill and eat everything on the plate. And they load it up with all kinds of deliciousness. And there's, you know, there's vegetables there too, but it's slathered in teriyaki and sugar, (laughs) you know? Yes. I wish that I didn't have that, that I didn't have to feel like, I didn't get to reward myself with food like I you know but I don't quite know how to overcome it except for what I did was I went and got myself hypnotized cuz so I had a fear of food and there was a lot of things I wouldn't eat like healthy things I wouldn't eat because I was afraid of them in in a unconscious way like I, could, I you know I it's hard to even explain what that is. But I know now that I'm willing to try anything and that healthy food is really much more appealing to me now. It's been a yeah. year and a half since I had that done. And I, I tell you, I'm so much better now, so much better. And I do have my fitness pal on my, on my phone too. And I've been doing that on and off for about the last four months. But I think you've just convinced me I'm going to go back to doing it daily. It's a good idea. So, so Robin, tell me about um, um, the books that you've read and some of the uh, progression there of how you became a writing coach. And specifically, I didn't know that you were a recovery coach either, but so tell me about your books and what you're doing in the world today for your clients.
1: Yeah. So interesting about my books um, this year, I had, I had decided that I would figure out, you know, what direction am I going in? It's, Probably my annual <laughs> annual trek down my own career, and I I asked my guidance what what should I do next, and the, I got a one um, I got a I got a three sentence response follow your books, <laughs> and so I went to my books and I said what is going on in my books. And I realized what is going on in my books is this journey from spiritual to divine. And I'm that's my journey, is is my journey, you know, when I first got on my spiritual path, which was many years ago. But the difference between being on my spiritual path to becoming my spiritual path, mm. right? To be to be living the divine teachings, the spiritual teachings in my everyday life, to, to know that everything that is happening is, is already, I've, I've already put it out there as something that I want and that I just have to relax and allow it to unfold and know that it will unfold in perfect timing. And so when I start getting restless or confused or distracted, that's me. And in fact, as a, as a teacher of the law of attraction, Esther Hicks, one of my favorite things that she said is that the only uncooperative part of your vortex, your field of energy is you. And so if you have intentions for your life and set them, and then you take actions for them and you feel them happening in your life as a reality, the only thing that can make it not happen is your thinking that it won't happen.
0: Is your, any kind of resistance to it?
1: Any kind of resistance. Interesting. And, and yes. so what I did is I started looking at, I started to begin to look at my what has been my resistance. And I'm going to be doing an, uh, an anthology coming up. Uh, an anthology is when a group of authors write a book, but I'm going oh. to be the lead, the lead writer. And it's called The Reluctant Mystic. And it's about how spiritual people on the spiritual path even though in all other lifetimes, it never ended well for any of us, we're still still gonna do it anyway. We're still going to live our journey and be successful at it. Even though we have this energy of persecution from from past lives or even present lives that follows us. And so I'm really excited about this book. Honestly, it's the idea The idea was given to me, and I was going to write it myself. And then I realized it's not just my story. I can think of many of us who have just done it anyway. You know, even though we were afraid, even though our families were like, Why are you doing that? You know, can't you do something normal? you know, know why, why well, don't say that, don't say that to people, you know, and, yeah. and especially us who have been on it for years, like when we would say stuff at parties, now we're very cool, right? Right. Now we're like the coolest people at the party, but there were years where people would be like, what weirdo? Right. And now like, I, I want to write a book with the weirdos who said, Hey, this is my mission here. I've yeah. got to do this. I, and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, a spiritual teacher per se, but that you followed your passion and you worked with your own connection and you worked from within, inside of yourself to follow the passion that was important to you and that you want to, and this book will be about
0: teaching others to not be reluctant. Okay. Um, I funny. like it. I love it. It's like helping Individuals to find their purpose. So, if somebody is just starting out on this path, what advice would you give them? Mm-hmm. What
1: uh, What advice I would give is to is to is to stay connected to your inner world. Mm-hmm. You know, do not rely on um, another another book <laughs> that I found. <laughs> in the next book after this one um, is uh, this idea that the guru is dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like we are
1: our own guru. Yeah. There is nothing. There is no piece of information that you cannot obtain from going inside of yourself and listening to your
0: own intuition or your own heart. Agreed. Totally agreed. Yeah. Like being, even being a leader is not so much telling people what to do. It's being the example, right. For people to follow. And if that example is, you know, yes, you give recognition, but don't just do this because I'm, giving you validation do it because it feels right it feels good yes. right yeah, yeah. that's and that's great advice
1: yeah and it's funny too even with my kids growing up my daughter's 30 and my son's going to be 20 25 and even when they had to make a decision you know we had our corporate hats on spreadsheet do the spreadsheet you know pros and cons this and that <laughs> and then at the very end they always tease me about this at the very end I would say to him them they'd come to a, a, you know two choices and I would say to them but what does your heart think you should do and it was not always the same and I no. and I would say to them I would choose what your heart thinks is the right thing to do I think in the long run it's what will serve you best
0: yeah and that idea and, of, um, of trying to get your Head to go along with what your heart wants. We yes. call it like being in alignment, really. Yes. And when you have that, then things align with the universe, and your body can feel it too. Because that, their, our body knows so much, and we ignore it. And this is why diseases happen, and we get all, yes. and we or we, you know, whatever we hurt ourselves unconsciously, or like,
1: oh to, yeah, to help us to slow down. Yeah. Tripping or falling. Um, uh, there's a term I always call, use with my clients. It's called a spiritual setup. Isn't that great? Yes. <laughs> it, it's like when you, when something really goes wrong, right? Or, you know, you're, you're, it, cause you're not listening.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're not
1: listening to your own inner divinity. What I also think happens too, Maureen, and a lot of times is that people actually Do listen to their body too much they make the body the leader of their life and i really believe of mind body spirit any emotion the body is the last one that wants to be in charge and people tend to put their body in charge you know and they see things through the world of their body where they their body is just a vessel for this amazing soul that is here on the earth plane. And so when you go inside, you can listen to your own soul because it is guiding your life. I promise you, everybody, whether you believe it or not, from the moment you incarnated, your soul has been in charge. And that's why you'll say to yourself, why does this keep happening to me over and over again? And I will tell you, most likely you're not listening to your
0: soul until you get it. You know, it's interesting. I got so many things running through my brain, and maybe this is a talk for another time, but in studying personality types, right? So, you know, love Myers-Briggs, love the Everything Disc, and also the Enneagram. And we have these three centers it talks about. Some of us are, our personalities are focused in the gut center, some are in the heart center, some are in the head. And how we make decisions, right, also has a lot to do with our personality types. But, and when we're in excess, we go towards where we're not supposed to go. When we're in um, redeemed or evolved, we um, listen to the part of ourselves that we have been ignoring. So I do think our body speaks to us when sometimes your gut or your intuition is telling you, don't do that, don't do it, don't do it. Not just fear, um, but But, you know, that feeling of dread or I don't trust this person or something like that, it does tell me because I'm always up in my head. But if I listen, so I have to sometimes get down to listen to that. And then there's other times where, like you said, you know, your body doesn't always know it doesn't want to be in the lead because there are sometimes you need to put that list of pros and cons out there and think about your decisions, because if you're always going with your heart and you're the. And the type on the Enneagram like I am, then I'm prone to gluttony. I just want more of a good thing. I just want to be happy all the time. So I'm going to ignore all that shit because I just want to be, you know, <laughs> I just want to be in pleasure centers, right? So yeah, it it, it is a, a balance of all of it in right. getting that thing into alignment. And that for me is like my freaking life purpose <laughs> is trying to get it all into alignment so yes, that I can continue. it is, Yeah, And to say it just
1: a little differently, we are an integrated system Mm -hmm. of mind, body, spirit, and emotion. And when, and it, and so when we are in recovery and being the leader of our own life, that's what I think recovery is, is the leader of your own life, right? When we are doing that, we are consciously looking at our mind, You know, how is our mental health, our body, how, I mean, our emotions, how's our emotional health? Do we need help? How's our body? Are we physically, are we fueling it with healthy things and exercising and, and and our spirit? Are we, are we listening to our own soul, our own intuition? When you are truly in long-term recovery, that's what I think long-term recovery is, is when you are living with, all pe- the four pieces of your integrative system—you're focused on all four, not just one, forgetting two others. Because that's what what happened to me for so many years, Maureen. I would be focusing on one or two of them and forgetting the other two. Right. And I'd switch over, and I'd be like, "Oh wait, what a minute! Oh, I should be walking. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. Or <laughs> oh, I need therapy. Okay, well, I better not go to this retreat." if I need therapy, right, but all of a sudden, the goal of long-term recovery is, to me, the goal for me, and that requires that all four systems be one integrated system working together.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I totally agree, and so if you, if somebody was in recovery that you've been working for and is thinking about, stepping into a leadership position, what advice would you give them?
1: Well, I think that when you're a leader and you're in recovery, you have really lived the journey when you're in personal recovery and especially in long-term recovery. And I think you have to remember that not everyone has had the benefit of the journey that you're on. And so I think it takes a lot of empathy but also a lot of holding them accountable. Like just because they're not as mature as you are maybe on the journey doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held accountable. And I think that you have to find that that sweet spot of empathy and accountability as a leader and and inspiration. And so to not put yourself on a pedestal, I think is important because they're going to do that anyway because you're the leader. Oh, I see. Right? But you need to come down and say, "Listen, I've done this and this is how I think we can all be successful. Let's let's move forward." And so it's a lot of listening, a lot of active listening. Um, and a lot of, cause people have some really, really wonderful ideas. And if we were to look at it from the spiritual perspective there, we each have our own soul energy, but when, when two or more people gather, there's a, there's a collective soul energy. And so I think it's important as a leader to see what is the energy of our group as a collective And where does everybody want to go? And are we heading in the same direction? And if you have people that are not heading in the same direction as the collective energy of the group as a leader, I think that you have to figure out what is the best strategy for those people that you're leading that are not committed to the collective um, goals and, and mission of the group.
0: Yes, and even
1: if it's just a little subset of a larger corporation, I think you must have you have to know that
0: because sometimes you have to cut them loose if they're bringing mm-hmm. the rest of they're slowing the rest yes. of the group down, and there's no shame in that. You because you might be the catalyst to to boost them into the next best version of who they are. That's uh, right. Yeah, I, mean, I learned you know, that in all, my we, HR years.
1: Yes, and we've all lived that. You know, we've all had that tough tough manager, right? Or tough leader that really made us see ourselves for who we truly were. And and that's a gift to that person. And the gift to you as the leader is that it opens up a spot for the universe to fill with the just the right person to, to enhance the energy of the group or to move the group forward. And so when we're afraid to let people go is because we don't know what's going to happen when they're gone. But it's just like in our own lives, you know, in our individual lives, when we let go of an opportunity that's not working, what happens, Maureen? The next
0: best opportunity shows up. Always. 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 The door, yeah. When one door closes, another one opens. It's like, but I'm in the hallway. When's it yes. going to open? Yes. But it's about trust and faith and letting go and letting the universe right. fill in the blanks.
1: Yeah. Because, because our, as I said, our soul is leading the way, but our soul is part of a collective energy of all universal energy. So when you're working in alignment with your own soul, you've also engaged the entire universe And what is the universe is unlimited in its resources. So if you want all the things that you so desire in your life by setting the intention and and going inside and saying, what is the action I need to take? And taking that action, the universe is bringing what you need to you. You're not even going out to get it. It's coming to you. I know. it's funny. I I want us to sell a quick little story. Ori and I are selling, you know, attempt in the process of selling the house. And we were freaking out one day. And then there's a song white feather that comes on my Alexa dot. And it's a, it's on this meditation channel and a white feather signifies that your your ancestors are nearby. And so, so as soon as he left with that crazy what's going to happen energy and getting me all crazy. White, I closed the door and White Feather came on, the music, so I sat down with my ancestors and I just listened to the song. And at the end I said, what would you like me to know? And they said, keep calm, all the steps towards selling your house are in motion now. And I'm like, of course they are. Uh, (laughs) We set our intention to sell the house and we're doing it in a very fair way. and we're looking at where we want to live. It's actually, we were doing the law of attraction, but we forgot. <laughs> and here we are a law of attraction teachers, right? I know. Like, Oops. Yes. But we forget when we're, when we are
0: human, scared,
1: human, yeah, when we're human, <laughs> for sure. But when we're scared or anxious, we forget how these laws of the universe work. And I would say to any leader out there, Really, you should study the law of attraction and set yeah. up, set up your, in, set your intentions of what you want to accomplish, get everyone on your team working towards those goals, and then relax and allow the universe to help you. Yeah. And so Worry about the outcomes, Just, or don't worry about how the outcomes are going to happen, right? Just know that the positive outcomes will happen.
0: You know, a lot of times I find that when I take steps towards, I don't know, maybe getting a client, for example, right, or trying to set up some sales calls, it's always somebody that comes out from right field that comes in. It's like, oh, I didn't even like market or sell to you, but you're asking me yes, for my right. services. And that's that's really what it means, how it works. You just got to take the steps and then the universe will provide. Well, what did you ask for? I just, right. I want to go back to the big, before you took the steps,
1: did you ask the universe, say, hey, listen, I have space on my calendar and I'd really love to help others. Can you send me new clients? Exactly. Right, yes. so you set your intention and then you, you said, but I'll help. Let me yeah. do some marketing. Let me connect with my other clients and say, "Hey, look, I have more space now. I'm hel- I'm willing to help somebody else." And guess what? Between your the universe then said, "Okay, let me tap the shoulder of so and so, so that when she's looking through emails or social media, she'll stop and look at Maureen's because we think that Maureen is the perfect person, the perfect coach for her."
0: Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So Robin, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is clarity.com.
1: That's C L A R E dash Or they can also put in Robin H. Claire C L A R E.com. And are all your books found on Amazon? They
0: certainly are. And they're and also on my website. I, I want to hear mm-hmm. about what's the name of your podcast or your station that you do? Yes. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. So that too, friends. Um, I have a podcast. It's called Hungry for Answers from Recovery to Your Ultimate Life. And I've got to get Maureen on my
0: podcast. Thank and, you. Uh,
1: it's every the first and third Thursday on
0: Transformation
1: Talk Radio
0: awesome and I'm sure at you're going to find that Time. on your website too that information's yes. there yeah yeah yes. of course and it's
1: also it's also um, on all major podcast networks
0: perfect Robin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know this conversation could probably go on for another hour um, and we might have to have you back on again. And so, but anyways, thank you. I just adore you and I'm so happy to see you today and let's be in touch again real soon.
1: Yes, take care, Maureen, thank
0: you so much. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. You can visit us at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com to take the quiz to find out what animal best represents your leadership style. And until next week, remember, you have so many leadership skills that you learned in recovery. Stop hiding because your contribution matters.